Hi, I'm Cliff. And I'm Susan. And welcome to the Cliff and Susan podcast. Today is 23 of 365, 23 days in a row. Guys, what's up? It is Tuesday or Wednesday? What's today? Today is Wednesday. It's Wednesday. <laughs> I can't keep the day straight. And that's a good thing. We stay busy all the time. You guys can find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Cliff and Susan. We'd love for you to send us DMs and connect with us. We're so excited today to have Travis Smith. Let's go ahead and welcome on Travis Smith on the on the uh, podcast here. Can you hear us, Travis? I can. Awesome. So, um, welcome. And you are yeah, in... Good to have you on the Cliff and Susan Can you podcast. hear us okay? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. Sounds great. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, yeah, Pat, I'm super excited because Travis just interviewed Cliff and I on the George's Live podcast, and he does all things music. I have watched Travis for many years now lead in his in the music industry especially here in arkansas and support other artists be a resource for helping bands um get into booking live shows and hand hand holding them through the process of how to have a good epk and we're going to talk to you about all that kind of stuff but you also you are also the um talent buyer for venues and so i want you to talk about wearing both of those hats and how that's really helped um help the artists, you know, and I'm sure it's really um, helped you and your career as well up there. So I guess, you know, I'd love to just get started. Like, how did you get into music? Well, I am a drummer and I, um, I, my first memories, honestly, of playing music would probably be around, I would say probably five or six years old. My uh, mom was a huge Alabama, the band Alabama, the Eagles of country music, if you will. And uh, she was a big fan of them, so I always had 90s kind of country music stuff playing around the house. So, you know, they went to concerts and stuff all the time, so I started, you know, watching shows and seeing live performances on TV, and with my parents listening to music so much, I was really in a household that always pretty much had Alabama or Randy Travis or Travis Tritt. There's something, you know, in that, that musical lane playing, so I was always fascinated with the drums, so... Kind of start a little obsession. That's very similar to what Cliff did. You know, yeah, Cliff started on drums as yeah, well. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was just super pumped about it. I've never really wanted to jump on any other instruments. It was later, you know, until I was a teenager, did I kind of start and stuff like that. I just uh, really jumped onto the drums and was pretty pretty obsessed with it. I mean, I still am, you know, with just the instrument altogether. But uh, I jumped right into it and practiced every day and playing along with uh, playing the music real loud on a boombox and playing along with it. That's awesome. And where did you grow up again? I grew up in Farmington, which is the town right next to uh, Fayetteville. Yeah, I've, uh, I've got a friend up there. Yeah, yeah, cool. Nice. And so you, so we've talked before, so I, I, I want to make sure... Um, so basically, you grew up kind of playing. Tell us the story about the the Fayetteville roots and playing on the streets and the the busking and all of that. I'd love to hear that story. Yeah, for sure. I, um, you know, I played with some friends through high school. Played a different genres and stuff like that. Um, around when I was like fifteen or sixteen years old, I met a lot of friends at uh, Fayetteville High, and they had something that they called an. I believe it's called the Fayetteville Music Club. It's a organization that was within their high school. And they would um, have, you know, students, they would get together for one of their classes. And some of these details might be off because I didn't go to that school. 
but they would, you know, make bands and kind of put together little shows that happened at a place called the Orpheum that was in Fayetteville. That was kind of an all ages venue kind of ran by the students. And there was a, a guy that lived there in, in the space and he would kind of pop his head out and make sure everybody was, you know, safe and not doing anything they weren't supposed to do. But it became a, a big um, conglomerate of Fayetteville musicians. A lot of them that you'll see <clears throat> playing in bands right now around Northwest Arkansas came out of that uh, Fayetteville Music High, uh, Music Fayetteville, Fayetteville Music Club. Awesome. So, you know, that's kind of where I got uh, getting to know a lot of musicians. Farmington was just a smaller school that didn't have a lot of people that were playing with bands and stuff like that. But I was spending a lot of my times on the weekend when I was around 15 and 16 years old playing hand percussion on Dixon Street. And there's a few other musicians there. Uh, Robbie Locke, I would meet up with him, who yeah, I know, yeah. music, incredible vocalist. So I bumped into him down there. That's actually where I met him. And then I met another vocalist by the name of Chad Moore. And he would live later to, uh, and I would, you know, I'd meet down there with them and then kind of broke up. But then later Chad had found me at a, another band I was playing with. He, they came to the show and said, you know, we're wanting to start a, a band and we're looking to play a bunch of shows and really hit it. And I haven't seen you down here playing on Dixon Street. So he kind of courted me over with the bass player that he had grown up playing music with. And we started a little trio and we started out writing music, you know, writing two or three songs and recording. And we had, um, played like a cheeseburger joint or something in Springdale where like they gave us like a hundred dollars and a cheeseburger to come in and do like a last minute acoustic thing that Chad Sweet. <laughs> went in and played a bunch of like Aerosmith gigs. And that was like the most we'd ever been paid for a gig at that point. When so I, you're like uh, 18 or 19. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the best gigs are when you get free food. Yeah. Well, and what I love about this story and the reason I asked is because there's so many people um, that are getting started in music. And I love to hear the stories of how successful um, artists and, and now talent booking agents are, are, you know, how everything you're doing within the music world, it started from playing on the streets in Fayetteville or playing a burger joint in Springdale. <laughs> it's like, it's very, very cool to hear those stories. And we all went through that. And I think some of those fond memories are always kind of like more exciting than where you get sometimes. Yeah. And, and that's super cool. So, so that took you, tell us like about a checkpoint. Do what? Like a little checkpoint to make sure, you know, okay, we'll feel comfortable here. Let's bite off a little bit more. And yeah. What, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I know, um, most recently, um, you know, we were last year, whenever the COVID happened, you were about to come down with your band and do um, a show at Oaklawn Casino in Hot Springs. And I was excited for you to get mm -hmm. into the Hot Springs market. But uh, talk a little bit about the bands and the, your current projects as far as the music goes before we get into the, the booking side of things. Yeah, right now I play with a band that is called The Juice. We are a, we do covers, we're a party band. Um Everybody in the band rather plays with other projects or writes music with other bands or has other businesses that they run or operate. So we really don't have a lot of time to write music. That's something that we have. I think we're going to start carving that out during the winter months, is, you know, especially with the pandemic. Shows are, are scarce as they are, but the outdoor shows, it kind of shuts down in the winter, and especially for a cover band because we're not writing. So that's kind of... You know, we all enjoy playing music together, so we're always looking for more opportunities to 
to maybe write more. So that's one band, The Juice. And then another band that I play with is Thanks for Nothing, which is Chad that I was mentioning earlier that I met when I was younger. I'm still playing with those guys. We play, you know, every couple at some casinos and stuff like that. So those are kind of my main gigs, but I also play with the Sublime Tribute and fill in. You know, I get asked to do a lot of session work. I was in the studio last night for somebody. So I kind of, you know, being a drummer, there's not a lot of them in our market. So I kind of get picked up by a lot of different bands and then bands that kind of get back together for a little bit from back in the day. So I honestly like eight to 10 projects that I could list off that could go play a show right now. And that's kind of, you know, depending on what time of the year it is, different ones will come up to the top. That awesome. That's a great segue into having those kind of options and knowing the market in Arkansas and beyond to help do the talent. So tell us how you got into the talent buying side of things and working with venues to put bands in them and, and, and tell us which venues. Cause I, I feel like it's, you've got a lot going on there and I'd, I'd love to honestly, for my own knowledge, know exactly what it is you've done and are doing and plan to do even now. And then after COVID comes back. Yeah. When I'm, well, it all kind of started when I was around 20 or 21 years old, I started playing shows out of town and um, that's kind of when you, you find out that your band is like a business and I would find myself, you know, you booked the show. I was the one that did all the business side of it. So you booked the show and then you, I mean, at that point you don't know about advancing and hitting them up the week before. So we would just show up and find out, you know, we should have called the place before just kind of hitting like these little mistakes while we're on the road that if, you know, you just kind of, like I was saying earlier, you start chipping away at little things and, making notes to make sure you remember this, that, and the other. Next thing, you know, the tour started to be a little bit easier. And as I started to um, have more free time at home, I was getting into uh, bartending a little bit around when I was 22, 23 years old. And after working in a bar that had been booking bands, I was working at O'Reilly's on Dixon Street here in Fayetteville. And I noticed that... um a lot of these venues that I was playing, the person that was doing the booking does not work in the music industry. And if you were to talk to those people about that job of booking, it's a secondary kind of pain that they have to put up with to be able to support the music because, you know, we don't, as musicians, we don't think about the phone calls at different times of the day, if they're going to be with their family or if they have a, you know, two or three different businesses that they own, that booking is such a, it's an important part of their business, but it may not be something that they only work on for a few hours out of the day. Exactly. And so I would play yeah. venues where I would see like certain venues that would be like, oh, we're going to be booking from like two to four on Monday or a Tuesday. And so you would make note to hit those people up at that time. And so I started to see where, oh, I see that it's not as much of a hassle as long as you put in the process or let everybody know your process of booking, you know, email me here or contact me during daytime hours and just kind of build that the parameters of booking and people will kind of work within that. And so as I started to kind of work in the music industry, because, you know, I just, the industry you want to work in, if that's what you love, I started to see job opportunities to where maybe I could help pad that cushion and kind of, you know, take over that role a little bit and help out the bar. And that kind of builds into, okay, now you start to see other bands working hard. So, you know, helping provide 
opportunities and that's awesome yeah you know the the it's it's almost like once you figure out the process and then you can fill the gap for the business it really helps and that's kind of what naturally happens i think when someone like you with the business brain meets the music side of it especially in a and i know Fayetteville's by no means a small town but in a city where there is a need for that and then the community that you've got at both sides with the the business that you've built the relationship with as well as the artists and then you've got you can start helping your friends out. So I think that's beautiful and that how that's come together. And so um, what are you, uh, tell us, well, you know, how did you get involved with George's? And I know, you yeah, know, first was, of all, that was thank, my question. Yeah. I want to see how that transpired. Yeah, well, and thanks well, for having us on the podcast the other day. It was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, George's has always been, you know, kind of the only ticketed venue in Northwest Arkansas for the longest time. And for anybody here, a lot of people have went and seen their favorite band play at George's. And that's kind of been the case my whole life. So I actually started playing at the George's Ozark Youth Society Jam whenever I was, uh, oh, about 15 or 16 years old, which would go on every Thursday night. My mom would actually take me and sit me at the table with me to, be, you know, to kind of babysit me. And I would go do these jams and stuff like that and kind of got the feel of like a real music venue at a real young age. So, you know, later on as I started talent buying, um, I was, you know, I was doing it at the venue that I worked at and then I took the chance on starting a talent buying agency because I would hit up, you know, there was resource entertainment group in Memphis that you could hit up and they would give you NBA halftime shows, uh, proms that you could get 20 dates from a booking agent if they understand what you're doing. So I had the idea of starting a talent buying service like that here, thinking maybe if we were able to source uh, better bands for more venues and stuff like that we could uh, provide you know more industry here and more buy-in from people wanting to open venues because they're seeing more bands uh, draw people and seeing that that's a an income source and so I ventured out on starting my own talent buying agency and I worked um, for you know there's Wright's Barbecue that's here in town Kingfish uh, Smoking Barrel Riley's and there's two or three other places that I'd worked with. And, you know, different things shift. Some places will close. Some, you know, formats of certain places will close and open up. But I'd always wanted to work at George's being, you know, kind of the top venue around as far as, you know, acts playing and stuff like that. So Yeah, I knew that. I That's super route. cool because it's like the, from here, our perspective down here in Little Rock, it's like the venue we always hear about. I mean, it's a, it's a great venue. I've had the pleasure of playing it oh, uh, right. a few times. Um, I've played opening with Casey Donahue Band and a couple other country bands. That, yeah. uh, and a, I think there was a one or two tribute shows that I played with a friend of mine that books them there. Yeah, he knows Cliff Aaron. Yeah. He did, you did a George's podcast on Drummer Boy Infinity. I saw that. Yeah, so... I, I started working over at George's. I had, you know, Brian, that is the owner there, who is also the talent buyer at the Arkansas Music Pavilion. He has been, I mean, probably the, he's been, he's been the most influential person for throwing concerts in Northwest Arkansas for as long as I can remember. And he's always been kind of a mentor to me as I was, you know, growing growing up in the music industry, he was always who I would go to to ask him questions because that venue, you know, he was a touring musician working there himself. So he literally almost has, you know, just the same story as any musician touring and, and taking over a music venue and 
running it successfully and putting together a crew with a strong marketing engine. So when I was That's awesome. To jump yeah, on I that didn't team, realize you know I'm sorry, go I ahead. I was able to work with a lot of the people that I had been working with kind of not on a day to day or, you know, as as employees there, but kind of working together in the music industry for, you know, ten years now. So it was a it was a nice fit to kind of fit in there. Um you know, with the pandemic, a lot of uh, cutbacks there with the venue scaling down a little bit. Um, I was doing the, helping the marketing team, all the graphic design um, and things like that. So anything like digitally you would see is what I would be building. Working with the tours, sending the graphic artwork to me and then localizing it for the city that you're in and that type of stuff. Awesome. And then I know the other thing, because you wear a lot of hats, and I love that because it's, it's all kind of within the, a creative music space. And um, some of it's more business and some of it's more creative. And so I think this new thing you're doing, I'd love to hear about the videography and what you have planned, if you can tell anybody about that right now. I'm sure you're... Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. So around the first of the pandemic, around mid-March, I was sitting there at George's and, you know, being a music venue, I got sent home from work and I never really went back. Just, you know, the venue kind of slowed down a little bit. And, you know, I started looking to look around in the music industry and, you know, what, where can I be creative? Because I just didn't want to go get a job just anywhere. I kind of wanted to stay within the industries that I've been working in my whole entire life. But I was well aware that they were kind of shutting down. And I've always been of the mindset that the music industry is going to be going into a more digital presence at some point where the artists will have more control over their own careers. And the way that they're going to be able to do this is through content building, um, taking over your own marketing, understanding branding and graphic design, because everything that I learned, I learned through promoting my own band. So starting to see what benefits I can get out of my life, not as far as like monetary, but you know, when I'm trying to find a job, it's easier to go find a job if you have more skill sets. So as I was able to find some people that were looking for someone that could connect them with artists, a video production company that was starting up, and they were also wanting to help out with some artist services, providing electronic press kits and websites and stuff like that but they needed to find somebody that had a connection to artists around the Northwest Arkansas and Arkansas area. So luckily enough, that's, you know, kind of where I've been working for the last 10 to 12 years now. So I was able to kind of jump right in and start kind of looking and seeing what, what avenues are being built as the future of the music business. Um, comes back you know we're going to have concerts again but what what is the streaming element going to be added what is the video production element going to be added and that's kind of what we're working on right now is providing digital content representing music but also helping bands and or helping brands and businesses as well building all of their content for their social media and their web i heard somewhere like that. recently that over 80% of the content will be video in two years. Like, you know, on, on, I believe it. 
on platforms and all that. And we're already start, starting to see that. So, so be creative in that space. And so as an indie artist, did you have a thought cliff? Cause I had a question. Yeah, go ahead. And go. Um, so I was, you know, if, if you were an indie artist, like you've kind of got gotten to the point where you're releasing music. So you've already kind of taken the first steps of website and you've got some music out say you want to do a release. What do you think is the advice you would give an indie artist to what component of videography would you add to that release strategy or just maybe even overarching from a brand strategy in 2021 utilizing video? Well, I think right now, as you see the social media platforms like TikTok um, really taking off, the algorithms on Facebook and Instagram, you know, those are always changing. But as long as you're built, what I like to call kind of leaving breadcrumbs behind on everything that you do of what your your online entity is to where if somebody does become a fan of your band there's a wealth of um things that are online but maybe look at your social media channels almost to be uh plug them differently with different streams instead of just kind of mirroring everything i see that a lot of you know especially with scheduling apps where at 805 on a Tuesday, three of the same thing goes across three different platforms. Right, yeah. right. Um, I, I don't think... I'm, I'm kind of... Go ahead, Cliff. I was just saying, I, I think there's there's a lot of important that people miss, uh, especially artists that, that don't really do their research on these platforms, to know that there actually is a time on each one of these platforms where you actually should post. And, well, that and not posting the same thing across right. all platforms, like he was saying. Yeah. And yeah, it, it becomes a... a um, time management and process that you have to build into your business side of your music career. But yeah, totally. And, and TikTok and, um, but what about like, you know, music videos? I mean, do you, I heard once that you should always, re- every song you release, you need a music video or a lyric video. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? I think that as far as like video clips, I would suggest getting, you know, even your phone camera capture every moment that the band's doing at least to just grab the content, not necessarily be posting it to your stories or anything, but just capture as much content as possible to where if one of you are a video editor or you have another video editor in the band, you can have a lot of material that you could splice up for these TikTok and Instagrams of the sort. As far as releasing a music video for every song, right now, that's what I would be doing as the music as music's longevity of a song is shorter and it comes out and it goes, what's your next single? It comes out and it goes. I think anything you can do to build as much content for one song at a time. And if you're releasing a single, it's a music video, then maybe a live in studio performance video, then maybe it's an acoustic version of it. And then taking that main video, chopping up two to three clips in it, and then dropping some graphics over the top, you know, coming soon in two weeks or three or four weeks, build two or three graphics before video release, release the video, then have two or three graphics that are all different. So it does, so it has a different aesthetic every time, but pushing you to the link to that main video. I so love, cool yeah. I love that. Seven pieces of, you know, six or seven posts for that video across two or three platforms makes, you know, 18 to 21 posts. 
That's incredible. And I love to hear that because I've seen some of that while I'm watching bigger artists or just, you know, people ahead of where we are and watching them do the trickle release of teasers with elements from the upcoming music video or even just a little lyric video that teases like one or two lines of the song that's going to release. And there's so many creative ways to utilize animation and video formatting to to do, um, you know, content creation. Yeah, there's which, just so yeah. much more that you can create. I mean, when, when you release a song, it's it's only audio. There's a lot mm-hmm. of platforms that you can release mm-hmm. it on, but it's just only audio. And you have your, your album cover art. Yeah, <laughs> and, and if you add just a lyric video, yeah. the amount of things that you can do, but having a music video yeah. uh, and being and able to clip it out. It, slicing yeah. it and dicing it, I love that idea. That's so pretty cool. It, and then, you know, there's something I else. I suggest putting out a, I do suggest putting out the music video before the lyric video. Really? I've seen why? A few lyric videos that have gotten a lot more traction out of the actual music video. Hmm, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's cool. Is, and it's it's something that I wasn't expecting to see, but the lyric video, you know, it provides that extra look into the lyrics and kind of digs and kind of digs into the chili a little bit of the ingredients of that song. And I think that that video, you know, that you're teasing. You know, that's your production that you spent, you know, if you spent a lot of money on that production and stuff like that, you kind of don't want to soften your release with the lyric video as much if you've, if you've done the video, you know. Also, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting because we've, we've almost heard uh, the opposite on, uh, there was, maybe there's just one case of this, but there was a very, very popular song where a uh, random guy just created a lyrical video for it. And it got millions and millions and millions of views on YouTube. And they put out the official lyric video later. And it Oh, it you mean someone not the many, artist did yeah, it? Yeah, someone oh, that was well. not the artist or with the artist team did it. And, and they were getting all of the viewership. Well, I feel from like that that's video. a case of the artist didn't release enough content before. And then the people were looking for it. And then they found the other guy's stuff. Yeah. But, and I mean, I, this was like a Chris Stapleton song that, oh, that really? every, yeah, and it, it was, it was kind of crazy how it happened. That's crazy. You know, one thing that I was going to say is I think that there's one more video that would be a good idea to add in your plan and strategy would be that behind the scenes making of with, uh, and I know you kind of alluded to having someone there, but maybe even hiring like a, a young kid out of college just to come, come in and grab as much footage as possible of the making of it in the studio. Cause if you spend all this money, most likely you're in a badass studio, you can get the making of, and then that's another, uh, breadcrumb that you can leave online to kind of like let it be the another video thing regarding that that song or whatever so right i kind of feel like everything a band does is a, a story yeah you can build a story out of everything you're doing and i you know we're seeing where the music industry is heading to a place where this is the new record label it's kind of content creators that work with the artists to create the brand almost like building a business together you know it's kind of where a lot of um i see a lot of industry things going and so it's been um it's been interesting to see that really what you need as a band if you need had three things you almost need a booking person that does you know your your management that can hook you up with publishing that understands that and then you need almost like a content creator that follows you around, photoing and videoing pretty much everything you do. Yeah. A utility man of sorts. So it's kind of like, that's like such an important piece. I would see shows when I was working at the uh, Arkansas Music Pavilion. I was the bar manager there, which is a like a nine to 10,000 person amphitheater here in Northwest Arkansas. 
And I would see big acts come through and play, and there would be someone running around with the camera that is kind of capturing, you know, with, with the auto loo, you know, like the recap video, kind of recapturing the whole event. And they would have this up on their social media like five to ten minutes after the show was over with so that everybody that was at the concert can go back and relive that moment through that social media. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And and that to me is such a it's more powerful than any other content you can create for your brand. If you can capture you at the peak of your moment doing what it is you do, whether it's your band, your festival or you're some small business and you offer a service or a product, um, you know, people consuming yeah. that, having that video there's is only so, so powerful. There's only so much words can do to convince And a someone. picture as well. And so, yeah. yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, there was something else I was going to ask. What were you about to say, Cliff? Oh, I well, if this is only if we're uh, oh, if we're about to wrap. Well, I, yeah. So here's the thing. I am really excited about all things that you do, Travis. And um, you know, one of the silver linings I feel like in this COVID situation we're all in is we've all taken to our devices more so than ever to to connect. And it's been a pleasure and, and, and to learn and, and, and learn. Yeah, yeah, learn. And it's been a pleasure learning from you and collaborating. And I feel like we've got a lot of good synergy stuff to go uh, together for years to come here in Arkansas. And I appreciate you reaching out to me at times and I appreciate you being willing willing to um, listen to me and help me out through um, our endeavors here in Little Rock and so I can imagine some beautiful things will happen and we're interested in that videography I, I'd love to still talk to you about how we might have a synergy there with Yodaloo and other projects we're doing so I think it I think it warrants a trip for us to come up to yeah. Fayetteville at some yeah, point we'll have to. check it out yeah, I think we need to we've got a um... Yeah, we've got the studio opening downtown in Fayetteville here. That company is called Lens Audio, L-E-N-S Audio. So if you go to lensaudio.com, you'll be able to see a video there at the top that explains all of our services. So if you're an artist that needs a website, electronic press kit, if you're a business that needs like your whole branding, if you're a restaurant that needs menu design, I've ran food trucks, I've worked in the restaurant industry. So I understand a lot of different types of industry and what really you need on your menus and stuff like that. So it's kind of a wide variety of creative services, but if you go to lensaudio.com there, you'll be able to see that. And we have a video production studio that's going to be opening downtown in Fayetteville here in the next couple of weeks. So, Awesome. That's exciting. Well, we're we're going to have to make, make take you to dinner and have you show us around. That yeah. would be awesome. You guys can check out Travis. I'll get all of your links so we can put it up on the podcast details. But, Travis, we appreciate your time today. And uh, if there's anything else you before Cliff got, we're not done quite yet. Cliff wants to do, I think, a rapid round or something. What no, no, no. It's just, an, it's just a, a, cu- a few music trivia questions. Being Uh-oh. a drummer, they're, they're oh. dr- drum related <laughs> trivia. You can put him on the yeah, spot. Yeah, like bring that. it on. Okay. All right, so, this might be super, super easy easy for you or maybe you don't know these things but then i've just got a few few questions all right okay so all right. famous drummer neil pert what was his drum kit of choice um it was on a drum stage that i was it called the octagon um it, played it, DW just, drums, the brand the brand of drums what was his brand what year um he switched yes the so the last the last years basically then uh it was oh, it was from it was from uh like the eight like eighty nine and beyond pretty much. I mean, he he uh he started off with I think Ludwig, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah, Ludwig, but then he switched to DW Drum Workshop. No, Tama. Dum dum dum. Tama. Tama. He's a Tama man. I didn't know what? that. Yes. You Are just you look, did you just look that up just now, or did you know that? Cliff? He's, he's been on Tama for a while. Yeah. 
Chris, like, find all the hard I mean, drum questions. Anymore, <laughs> all right, so next. All right, so what famous drum sound was made by placing a mic drum in the stairwell? Oh, Ooh. is that that slap pack? Uh, when the levee breaks by Led Zeppelin? Yes. Yes! When the levee breaks. Hey, we got, we got a sound. Make the sound, Cliff. What is it? Where's the hand clapping? Oh, oh yeah. I, I should have. That's, that's when you get it right. <laughs> Um, oh, I love it. We have way too much fun with this right, road so, so last hey, uh, question. Uh, the famous song, right. Phil Collins, In the Air Tonight. What was the secret of how that drum sound was achieved? Uh, that was gated tom sounds on uh, 808 drum pads. I forget the name of the drum machine that he actually And I, I'm specifically yeah. actually talking, not the, not the drum machine, that yes, but... Um, I'm talking about the actual solo that he took on that. What made that famous drum sound? What was the secret? What was the secret? Yeah. Was it reversing? So it was the mix engineer accidentally leaving the talkback mic on. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was it. That was the secret behind that sound. You know what our secret right now behind our sound is? Cliff going into our master bedroom and recording demo <laughs> vocals because we're sitting in the middle of our, in our closet. <laughs> in the, yeah. And yeah, in our master bedroom closet and doing, I was, I just posted that on Facebook. I was like, there might be some cool creativity coming out of our closet as we're building on our studio outside. <laughs> yeah, maybe, you know, in, you in our, are building, you're building a studio there. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. We've got a 30 by 30 building. That's got uh, electricity, heat and air and everything. And, uh, it's just a shell of a building right now, and I'm, uh, I've got some contractors that are going to come look at it. I've got a blueprint drawn up for it, and hopefully I'll, I'll be able to have a nice 900-square-foot studio with, soon. With technology, video, and all of that integrated. Yeah, that's everything's going to be set up the so way we, we can, want it to do. Yeah. Uh, nice nice and, lighting zones on everything, and uh, yeah. we'll have a podcast area set up just for uh, these podcasts. And uh, we live out in the country, so... Control room, vocal booth, a couple other ISO booths for miking guitar cabs and bass cabs and having other people in a, in a nice size live room. And so here's the deal, Travis, anytime open invite, we have a guest bedroom, your own bathroom and everything in our house. And then once we get that going, we can all just throw a big party and jam out. And we even have a big front yard and our front porch looks like a stage, a covered stage. So it's like, <laughs> we're going to have a, a, a yard party. <laughs> have to come up with the name for it. But yeah, we, we're, we're geeking out to our, our plans. But as That's of now, awesome. we're sitting in our master bedroom doing podcasts and he's pitching demos to Nashville from vocals that he's recorded in the closet. So that's a story to be told for years, I'm sure. If you get every, if you get one if of these picked it, up. Yeah, yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mind if I plug the uh, podcast real quick? Yeah, yeah. I would like, anything that you want to plug, please let us know and I'll also... Yeah, uh, anywhere that they can yes, find you and Let us know all the things. So yeah, so I've got, um, I've got a podcast as well as George's live podcast that I'm the host of. I also have the Beats by Travis podcast, which is a lot of music industry DIY tips, but also interviews with artists. And it's really, sometimes it's not all music related. So it's kind of my own, my own uh, kind of personal podcast to kind of keep people up to date as I'm releasing podcasts through different entities and releasing web series and playing shows and doing all this stuff. And if you go to beatsbytravis.com, you'll be able to see what that podcast is all about. And if you click on the subscribe page, you'll be able to find the podcast on your particular outlet. 
Awesome. 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 Well, we appreciate you being here today and uh, thanks for reaching out and being a part of one of our daily episodes. And I was so excited to have you because you're always the one interviewing other people. I said, let's make one about all about Travis today and get his thoughts on all of this awesome stuff that you told us. And um, you guys can check us out as well. Cliff and Susan online, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Twink, uh, Twink, I just made up a platform, Twitch, <laughs> Twitter, TikTok, I was trying to say TikTok. There you go, copyright that. Uh, yeah, I know, right, Twink, Twink.com. I don't want to know what that is. I don't either, I don't I'm, I'm afraid that that's platform. something crazy. You guys, we'll see y'all tomorrow. Thank you once again, Travis, you're awesome, and we're looking forward to working with you on many, many projects coming up in the future. Are you going to dial us out, Cliff? We will talk yeah, to sure. y'all later. 